This podcast was recorded before the global pandemic. While the world looks a lot different today, we believe this content remains valuable for helping organizations move forward and emerge stronger. Let's start with some sobering statistics. Cardiovascular disease is the leading global cause of death, accounting for more than 17.6 million deaths in 2016. That number, unfortunately, is only expected to grow to more than 23.6 million by 2030. The British Heart Foundation is doing all it can to improve these figures. Each year, the organization raises more than 100 million pounds for research, which focuses on heart and circulatory diseases and also contributing factors that can lead to those diseases. I'm Julie Jars from Workday. Today on the Workday podcast, I'm joined by Carrie Smith, Director of People and Organizational Development at the British Heart Foundation. We'll take a closer look at how the organization thinks about HR, including how it manages a team of permanent employees, along with more than 20,000 volunteer employees in its retail stores. Welcome, Carrie. Hello there. (laughs) So Carrie, for our global listeners, can you tell us about the amazing work the British Heart Foundation does? The British Heart Foundation is the largest independent funder of cardiovascular research. It was established in 1961 and since being founded has helped to reduce deaths from heart and circulatory diseases by more than half. But these conditions still kill one in four people, so our research is ever more important. And each year we are focusing our research on not only heart, but also the factors that impact the heart, such as diabetes and vascular dementia and conditions such as stroke. So there is much work to do for the British Heart Foundation and we continue to strive for excellence in everything that we do, but in particular to ensure that we are continuing to raise the funds, which we raise entirely independently, to allow us to invest in that research. And could you tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to the British Heart Foundation? I have to say, I feel like I've got the best job I've ever had. I absolutely adore working for the British Heart Foundation. My role is Director of People and Organisational Development. I started there six years ago. My role has been an interesting one because it's all about the organisation, how it's changed and transformed in many ways, but particularly digitally as well. I got voted HR's uh, most influential in 2018 and again in 2019. Congratulations. Um, Thank you, which was fantastic and really a representation of the work that we've been doing both across the British Heart Foundation but also across the charity sector, really professionalising the HR function and ensuring that the BHF remains really attractive to top talent coming into the sector right at the beginning of their careers but also partway through their careers. So we have grown British Heart Foundation in terms of numbers, but also we have reduced our employee turnover. We've increased our employee engagement significantly, 67% to 82%. We have increased the number of people that have been promoted internally. And those are our key metrics for assessing how well we're doing and whether we're achieving that level of excellence or what we've been aiming for, which is to be a world-class organisation that delivers world-class research. You mentioned your growth, which is fantastic. I think the one thing that really surprised me was the sheer scale of the organization. And of course, people who live in the UK have seen your retail shops. But for others, could you tell us a bit about how the business is split between retail and other functions? 
Yes, absolutely. So the British Heart Foundation is entirely independently funded. So all the income that we put into our heart and circulatory research is generated ourselves. Our retail operation is huge. It's £200 million turnover each year, and that generates a significant amount of money towards that £100 million of research funding that we put forward. The shops are only part of the story. We also have funding from our fundraising activities and also our legacies. We employ retailers right the way through to researchers. So we'll have professors and medical doctors and scientists, but we'll also have fundraisers, marketeers, finance people, HR people, legal people, um, as well as all our retailers. And that makes it a very interesting organisation to do HR in, actually, because you've got lots of different cultures as a result that need to be brought together as one organisational culture. And whilst you mentioned, you know, how we split, we have deliberately organised ourselves in such a way that wherever we work, whatever job that we do, we're all achieving the same ambition, which is to reduce death from heart and circulatory diseases. So our mission is a single mission right across the organisation for everybody. And something that wherever you work, you can feel you're making a difference. You can feel that you personally, whether you're working in a shop or you're working on an event or you're working in our research, that you are actually saving lives. Right. So from an HR perspective, this growth you're talking about, which is fantastic for your cause, Mm -hmm. it can also cause some pain points um, around technology and culture. You know, the British Heart Foundation that you joined was a different place when it comes to HR tools and technology. What were the main challenges facing you when you when you joined? Oh, great question, actually. When I joined six years ago, we really had very little technology. You had people with spreadsheets, lots of paper files, rulers, little kind of rubber thumbs, was a thumbing through paper. <laughs> you had a big printer that was cascading onto the floor, one of these dot net printers, very noisy, very crowded, very paper driven. I felt like I'd kind of walked into the office of a 1960s BBC period drama. It was quite astonishing and so much to do. And then That's one side of it. The other side of it is how were the systems actually working? And whilst they were affecting everybody was being paid correctly, we did have challenges around the robustness of our paper-based systems. If there was to be a fire, we would lose a lot of that paper. We didn't have some of the checks and balances that you should have had in place. And we had an internal audit which showed that we had very limited assurance on our risk profile. So that was what we needed, actually, to kind of put forward an agenda to improve our technology. And it worked very well and enabled us to invest in a system like the one we now have, and we're delighted to have, which is our workday system. But back then, we had six different systems, and they didn't talk to each other. In terms of pain points, I could, could not find everybody in one place. I did not know who all our employees were. I couldn't actually tell. There was no single source of data. Self-service wasn't evident. Some people were using a bit of a self-service, but others weren't. 750 shops and stores, all highly manual and administrative. And that meant that each shop and store had to send in a timesheet. And those timesheets got sent to the centre, to this same office. That's 3,000 timesheets a month were being processed by a small team. And 
in the shops themselves, they only had one computer, and that was the till. So to communicate with the teams in the shops, which are very highly dispersed, as you can imagine, was very difficult and very manually and paper-based. And we needed to do something about that. So we had so many pain points. I could go on, you can tell, can't you? I could yes. go on with these pain points. <laughs> uh, but we had a lot, a lot to sort out and a lot to improve. But that became much more significant when we started looking at a system like Workday, because not only does it replace a lot of those systems and has done for us, but it's more than that. It gives us opportunity to work in a very different way and to transform our outlook and the information that we gather and how we can work together. So it was so transformational. I often talk to people about the fact that it feels like we went from driving a Fiat to driving a Ferrari. I mean, it was literally overnight. It's a great example. Yeah. So many challenges you were facing. I know Mm -hmm. another challenge to add to the mix is your workforce. You have uh, volunteers, you Mm -hmm. have full-time workers. So in addition to all of those other things that you were juggling, how do you start to think about building the right agile processes to meet the needs of the business? For example, what are the people processes that really need to be flexible and agile to, to help you with this mixed workforce? Yeah, great question, because that's exactly what we were looking for. We were looking for much more agility and flexibility in the way that we worked and it was the way we worked that was the biggest change because it's one thing putting technology into a workforce but the way people use it is the biggest challenge and the biggest change that you're looking for so key factor for us was really bringing in that mobile technology Mm. and for the first time we were able to say to people across our shops and our stores as I say highly dispersed workforces you can actually access everything through your mobile phone this isn't a company mobile phone this is your own personal mobile phone and you can download workday you can access key information like your pay slip you can look your holidays you can look at personal information about yourself but you can also connect with other people through that as well so that you can do training through your mobile phones. You can actually look people up. You can find out who's working in the shop across the street or in the next town or the next city. You can actually make contact with people. You can look at career opportunities. And this gave great opportunity for more mobile ways of working. But also, even in our offices, we had a situation where people were tied to their desks because they needed to have access to filing cabinets or to certain information or to each other. And bringing in more agile digital tools has enabled us then to attract a different sort of talent, people who are used to being much more flexible, fluid, working from home, working from different parts of the United Kingdom and still working for the British Heart Foundation. So no longer did we have to be London-centric or Manchester or Birmingham. We can have people working in different places around the United Kingdom and still be connected through their digital technology. So it's it, again, this is where it's been, you know, a really big transformation for us because it's been enabled people to work in a very different way. In addition to that geographical diversity, I know mm. diversity is something the British Heart Foundation is also focused on. Um, you signed up for the or signed on to the Talent Tech Charter, mm. uh, which is a commitment to drive diversity in technology roles. It's something that's dear to our hearts at Workday too. Can you tell us about that and the importance of having a diverse workforce? Yes. So this has been really important to us and continues to be, and we're making some great strides in this area actually. So we appointed our new Chief Technology Officer, so it's a brand new 
role. And the role has been filled by a lady called Ursula Dalton. She's amazing. It's an internal promotion. She's now on the top team at the British Heart Foundation. She herself is driving a fantastic campaign to get more women and more diversity generally into technology. And up until recently, we haven't been as diverse as we'd like to be because um, technology tends to attract more male staff and employees. In fact, I think over the UK, it's about 17% of technology mm. roles are filled by women. We've broke that stat already. So we now have 35% of our roles in the British Art Foundation, our technology roles are now filled by women. And Ursula herself, along with members of, of my HR team, have been working to raise the profile of the British Art Foundation and talking about opportunities, not just for people in employment already, but actually talking to schools. We've started a programme of talking to children in schools when they're making their choices, encouraging them to choose STEM subjects, to then choose careers in technology and science-based subjects, which works for us both in technology, but also in our research as well. So we've been promoting that along with other big tech providers. We've been running some roadshows and doing some coding in schools to get a perspective to offer to, to children making their choices. So you've been talking about the technology roles. Let's chat a little bit about the, the HR system itself. Moving to one HR system from many different flavors and technologies is always a challenge. How do you build a project like that from the ground up? We've had a number of different projects across the British Heart Foundation. This is one of our biggest and it's had a huge exposure. We've been reporting on it every month to our operations board, to our audit and risk committee, to our board of trustees. And the reason for that is because it's a big investment for us. So for us to, to bring the capability of a system like Workday into the British Heart Foundation, we've needed to invest in our project team and resources and what we've done is put together a really strong capable program team we've brought some skills in so we've brought a program manager in with experience of implementing a system of this caliber but also we've seconded people from their day jobs into the project teams we've given people a lot of training to build their capabilities and knowledge and I, as a sponsor, have kept really close to the whole thing and regularly met with members of the project group as well as holding programme sponsorship board meetings each month as well. I have made it my number one job until we actually fully implemented Workday. And the other thing that goes with that is being an advocate. So I've been very keen to ensure that people knew what was coming, not only how we were running the project, but also the art of the possible, what Workday will bring to us, what it will do for the way that we operate and the way that we work and how more efficient we can become as a result of having a system like Workday in place. So for me, it was about very high profile sponsorship, very high profile advocacy as well, and ensuring that I had absolutely the best resource team that I could get to enable us. Just one other thing, we couldn't have done it without our partners. So Workday themselves has been absolutely amazing, always there whenever we needed them. Good. But also, so has our implementation partner, One Source Virtual. They both have worked and partnered so closely with us and got to know us and understood us and therefore continue to be partners 
even after implementation. I know you mentioned digital transformation earlier, but I know for you, that's as much about building the right culture as it is finding the right technology. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. The culture change has been enormous for us. Um, as I say, you, know, you have described to you the scene. Only six years ago did we look like something for the 1960s. To get those same people to the point they're at now, where they look completely different, they behave completely different, and it's the same people. So yes, we've had to take on one or two different members of staff where we've needed particular skill sets. But on the whole, we've taken our teams through quite a transformation where they've been part of the decision making, they've felt involved, they've become champions and advocates themselves and helped other team members to kind of understand what Workday can offer, what it brings and how it's going to change the way that they work as well. So the culture change has evolved. It's taken us a good two years to get to a point and we're still evolving it because actually once you get a system like Workday, that's one thing. Using it, maximising it, getting the best value from it is another and takes again further change, support, further embedding of skills and knowledge and, and getting people to work differently and changing their behaviours and so on. So I would say the two biggest things for me to, to bring about that culture change were the, the training so ensuring that everybody knew how to use the system really well, so that's people in my team, but also end users, so that people in retail, in fundraising, in research, they can use it to their advantage as well and run their own reports and so on. But secondly, it's the communications, because if you're going to get culture change, it's really important that we tell stories that we showcase and we talk about how we're using it and the difference it's making. And everyday people talking about how it's helping their everyday work. Yep, you have to think differently about so many things. Exactly, and on a number of fronts. And I feel very lucky to have internal communications as part of my team. So that falls within my directorate and therefore we're able to work incredibly closely on the key messages and the key information that we want people to always be receiving so that it's not just all projects over, that's been done, that worked. Now onto right. the next project, there's a continuous narrative and a continuous dialogue always on around what we're doing with Workday. You spoke about working differently and we hear from a lot of HR leaders that the business is increasingly looking to the HR function for strategic guidance in a way that it didn't maybe even five, 10 years ago. Mm. What kind of reports or analytics are you producing globally and how have HR measurement and KPIs changed in this digital world? Yeah, no, it's absolutely right actually. We are being required to be much more evidence-based I've been in HR for a good number of years and there was a time when we could say we sense something or we think something or we feel that that's the right answer. It doesn't work anymore. We've got to substantiate our feelings or substantiate our thoughts with evidence. And this is why you know, we need the information that Workday systems and reporting analytics can give us. I would say we're still at early stages ourselves with this. We're running some of our dashboard reports, particularly for our retailers. And the retailers are really enjoying it because what we're giving to our retailers for the first time, they can see in front of them the cost of their workforce. So the hours, the resources, the time, tracking, the absence, they can see the reports on this and see it straight away. And that gives them a whole lot more richer information than they've had before when they've had to wait, because it's real-time reporting. So previously they've had to wait for information. 
So that's excellent for them. What it also does, we use Workday to run our engagement survey. So we run it on a pulse basis. So we run the survey four times a year. And that gives us then some qualitative data on which to, again, evidence and base future decisions, organisational decisions on. But if you start putting together the two, which we are now able to do for the first time, i.e. what is the cost of our resources, what is the absence rates, together with what does it tell us about engagement, how high or low is that across the organisation, across directorates, then it gives us a great insight to start looking at, okay, where do we need to put more resource or where do we need to put more time and energy or how can we give more support to certain areas of the organisation so that they can be as effective and profitable as they want or desire to be. Some of those capabilities you mentioned in Workday are driven by machine learning. There's a lot of Mm. talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning and intelligent automation as game changers across most of the business world. Are you seeing that at the British Heart Foundation? And how do you see those technologies emerging across Mm. HR more broadly? So we are actually getting quite excited about artificial intelligence across the British Heart Foundation, particularly in our research, because we are working with VHF-funded researchers at data science centres, because we're looking at how artificial intelligence can actually predict the future prognosis of people with heart failure. Hospitals using this, some of this already. We're keen to do a deeper dive so that we can understand how AI can interpret thousands of heart scans to build a 3D heart before training the computer to recognize the earliest signs of heart failure. And we know that will have a fundamental difference and effect on people who may suffer a heart attack in the future. So that's something where artificial intelligence is going to be phenomenal. In terms of our workforce, we're at early stages of this yet. We're really keen to get involved and do more around this, particularly because we want to understand our workforce better. We want to be able to use kind of predictive data to start to indicate where people may be thinking about leaving the organisation. What can we be doing to prevent them from leaving, to have conversations with them, to discuss with them other opportunities so that they stay with the British Heart Foundation for longer? The thing is that British Heart Foundation is we invest in people, we give them training, we give them support, we put a lot of support structures around. So we don't want people to leave us, we want people to stay, we want people to move within the organisation. We're a big organisation, you know, four and a half thousand staff, 22,000 volunteers. There's lots of opportunities for people. So the more we can understand those triggers, you know, what is it that actually makes people think actually it's time to move on. What can we do to then have those conversations and encourage people to stay? So that's just an example of where I think artificial intelligence, machine learning can start to help us. I also think that we can start putting some of the data together. So start looking at other sources of data, such as wellbeing data, um, diversity data, and put that together with some of our engagement information. And it will probably start to tell us things about our staff that we didn't know. And what we can do then is really build that people experience. One of the key things that we've done over the last few weeks is to launch our new people strategy. And that is all around the people experience and how we can ensure that people feel really connected to the organisation, have a fantastic experience with us, whilst giving us the best work that they can of their lives, really. So 
the more we can understand our people, the more we can understand what motivates them, what keeps them, how we can develop them, the more we'll be able to hold on to people and the more we'll be successful as an organization. The work you're doing is fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today. I think we could talk for a lot longer, but that's all the time we have. So Carrie Smith, thank you for joining us on the Workday podcast. And if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. I'm Julie Jars, and thanks for listening. Thank you very much. much.